Perhaps you've guessed what the strongest indicator is of your love for God. The answer is right here. It's right here in this section of Scripture. And this section of Scripture is part of a longer chapter of Scripture, Psalm 119. What you may not know about Psalm 119 is that it is a work of poetic magnificence. What the psalmist has done, and if you look at the very beginning of Psalm 119, you'll see that the psalm is actually broken into sections, and each section is, coincides with that particular letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So what the psalmist has done is written a, a massive acrostic which the theme is the word of God, and he has sought to describe the word of God poetically by taking each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then with the section, within each section, he begins the first line of each of the, of the poem, the first line of each po- line of the poem, he begins with that same Hebrew Letter. Does this make sense to you? Am I, am I explaining it to you? It's challenging to do this and not be corny. You, you, you can do this. You could go home and write an acrostic. Um, and it's a good exercise. Maybe for your devotions tomorrow, you write out your prayer, but write it out in lines and just start with the letter A and do that for five or six lines and then move to the letter B. It's challenging to do that and make it poetically masterful. But that's what the psalmist has done. 22 stanzas of of poetry about God's word with each stanza representing a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So this is lost on us because you look at verse 17, what's the first letter, first word of verse 17? Deal bountifully. Then we go to verse 18 and we've got a different letter. Open, right? My eyes. Then verse 19, I am a sojourner. It's, you can see how hard it is to translate something like this. The Bible translators can't translate it perfectly from Hebrew to English and keep the letters the same. Does this make sense? He is using, this is the third stanza of the poem, so he's using the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet is gimel. So it would be like a link to RG, Gmail. So let me just show you how this would look if we were reading in the Hebrew. Verse 17 would start out this way. It would start with that Gmail letter, like a G. The first word of 17 is Galmal. Galmal. What's Galmal mean? Deal bountifully. And that's why they've translated it. Deal bountifully with me so that I can keep your word. Second stanza, verse 18. Second line, verse 18. Golol. Translation, open. Look at what they've done there. Open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Verse 19. I love this stuff. I I hope that you guys do too. (laughs) Stay with me. Verse 19. 
gare. Translation, stranger. Do you see it? I'm a sojourner on the earth. Stranger I am. That's how you would translate it. Stranger I am. I'm lost. I need your word. It's my life GPS. Next word, verse 20. Garas, breaking. My soul is for your word. Verse 21. Garar, rebuke. Proud people who say they don't need your word. Next one, verse 22. Galal, remove my guilt and my shame because I'm trying to keep your word. Next one, he took the easy way out in the last two. Gam, even though I'm facing troubles, I'm looking to your word. Verse 24, Gam, also, even, also. My best coach in life is your word. So you see he's using this mathematically complex structure that doesn't follow a logical sequence. It has almost this asthmatic rhythm to it because the psalmist is just going machine gun fire on the benefits of something. Do you see what the lowest common denominator is here? Do you see what he keeps talking about? He keeps talking about himself. He keeps talking about someone else. And he keeps talking about that someone else's word. The word is at the center of what the psalmist is speaking about. He's got purpose in this. He's making some very vivid statements about, uh, about his relationship with God and, and particularly his relationship with God's word, the things that God has said. Because we should think about it this way. Your relationship with God is only as strong as your relationship with his word. Your relationship with God. I'm trying to bring this down to the level. Trying to make this something that we can understand. Your relationship with God is only as strong as your relationship with his word. What he's doing is he's painting this vivid, emotional, metaphorical, visceral portrait. And he's doing that to stir you, to get you to ask a question. What is my relationship with God? And I could answer that by answering another question. What is my relationship with God's word? The strongest indicator of your love for God is your love for his word. The strongest indicator you have of your love for God is your love for his word. This is helpful to us because we can evaluate our relationship with God based on our love for his word. That's why the psalmist has written this particular section and why he's written this psalm. 
There's an inextricable, inseparable connection between your love for Jesus that we just celebrated communion, we remembered Christ. There's an inseparable, you can't separate it, an inseparable connection between your professed love for God and your love for his word. And so if you find someone who truly loves God, then you will find someone who loves his word, loves the things that he has to say. And if you find someone that professes a, a love and relationship with God, but is inattentive and, and not caring about his word, then you have an oxymoron. You have an inconsistency, you see. If you were to say to the psalmist, I'd like to introduce you to a group of people. They are a group of people who say they love Jesus, but are inattentive and to his word and don't seek to understand his word, to, 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 uh, to, uh, to be in his word, to read his word, and to apply it to their lives. The psalmist would scratch his head perplexed. That makes no sense. It's like saying, here is a group of humans who don't eat. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't calculate. So, what's our relationship with God's word? It's a great question to ask at the beginning of an, a new year. It's a good question to ask every day, right? But, but this is a good question to, to ask because we're thinking about resolutions or maybe we're done with that now. It's January, what is it? 20-something. Maybe we're like, we're, we're two weeks beyond that. We got another 50 weeks to go before we think about those kinds of things. No, we should be thinking about this. The strongest indicator of your love for God is your love for God's word. And if this is true, what is that indicator saying about you? We talk a lot here at Brandywine Grace about gospel culture, about building a gospel culture. If we are successful at building a, a, a Jesus culture, a good news culture, then we will find that the word of God is central to everything we do around here. This is why every Sunday when, when we when someone stands up to preach, they're preaching from the word of God. And I don't mean just kind of a head nod to the word of God. I mean reading the word of God and seeking to really understand it so that we can apply it in our lives. Because the strongest indicator of our love for Jesus is what we do with his word. How we relate to his word. This is why the word is so important to us at Brandywine Grace. This is why we're working hard. We're getting ready to go on a, a planning retreat in about a month's time where the leadership team is going to be going away. The elders are going away. The leadership team going away. And we're thinking about what does Brandywine Grace need as we look out over the next three years? What kind of disciples are we producing? What are we, how much, how are we going to make impact into the community? How are we going to spread the gospel? 
gospel of Jesus and how are we going to make truly healthy, vital disciples? And we're asking the question, where is the word of God in this? How are we going to do this with the word of God? So JRUS over discipleship and community life is thinking about what kinds of classes, what kind of core discipleship classes are we going to offer on a regular basis so people can regularly be growing and they're understanding and application of God's word. That's gospel culture. That's why we're offering the spiritual fitness class. You can see more about that in the weekly email. Sign up for that class if you want help in growing in your love for God's word because you want to grow in your love for Jesus. That's what Rebecca's thinking about as she's leading the women's ministry. She's doing a great job at getting the ladies into God's word. It's what we're thinking about with BG Kids, Bethany, and the team that's down there organizing and leading. BG Kids is putting the word at the center, giving the kids God's word. Why? Because the strongest indicator of anybody's love for God is love for God's word. Do you get the main point? We were meeting together as elders the other night, and we did a 10-year dream. What do we see? Like, when we look out 10 years, what do we see? What do we want to see? And, and one of the pastors said something like um, that Brandywine Grace would have great gospel impact for the glory of God by being a discipleship factory. Just a gospel culture that's cranking out disciples who love Jesus. If we are to do that, the word of God will be central to what we're seeking to accomplish. Amen? I want you guys to love the word. I believe you love the word. I want you to love it even more. I want, my, I want to love it even more. Look at, the, look at this. You probably saw this. But, but you see a few things happening in this psalm. He uses the language of I regularly. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live. Open my, open my eyes that I may behold. I am a sojourner on the earth. My soul take away from me. For I, do you see this? This is me, I language. But then it's not just me, I language he uses. He uses your language a lot. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke those who wander from your commandments. For I have kept your testimonies. Your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. There's this language of I. He keeps using I, me, my. And he keeps using you and your. And then, and, and then he keeps referencing the word of God. There's this connection between I and you and God's word. This is a song about God and the psalmist. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's a song about you and God. This song is personal. So we need to ask ourselves the question, can we say what he says? Can you sing what he sings?
he's reminding us that this psalm is really not about God's word and his relationship with God's word as much as it is about his relationship with the author of God's word, who is God. This psalm is all about the psalmist's relationship with God. And the strongest indicator of your love for God is your love for his word. You're listening. Some of you. So I want to give you, I'm going to try to move through these quickly. I want to give you some indicators. I'm going to give you four indicators of your love for the word that come right out of the scripture. Four indicators of your love for God's word, which is a strong indicator of your love for God. The first one is this, an awareness of longing, an awareness of longing. So four indicators of our love for God's word. First thing you're asking yourself, is there an awareness, any awareness in you of a longing for God's word? He says it right over. Uh, he communicates this idea of longing. Verse 17, deal bountifully with me, reward me, treat me better than I deserve because I want to live for you. Verse 20, he's talking about my soul is consumed with longing. My soul is breaking. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. So all you're doing is asking yourself your question, do you see that indicator in your life? If you do, then that's indicative of your relationship with Jesus. But if you don't see that, we shouldn't kid ourselves about our love for God if we can't detect any longing in our souls for his word. Imagine how odd it is to have a relationship with someone, but you pay no attention to the things that they say. It's going to be hard to build a marriage. Never talk to her. Never listen to her. What, I'm, what the Word of God is searching now, it's always sifting us, it's always searching us. All, it, all the Word of God is searching for in us is, is there any longing? You, that's between you and God. You, you have to ask yourself really the question, God, is there any longing for your Word present in my life? But if you really don't have any longing at all, in your life, to read the Word of God, to understand what it says, to talk about it with others. If you don't detect that at all, then you, that's indicative of a weak relationship with God, if there is one at all. Who's with me? But if you do see, and I'm not talking about perfect. I go back to J.C. Ryle's sermon that I read just a couple weeks ago. I'm not talking about perfect. I know that obedience isn't a straight line, that it's a, we maneuver all over. We fail. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just talking about is there any longing? And oftentimes, it's a lack of perfection. It's a lack of obedience that exposes your longing for God's word. Sometimes that's what sin does. It makes you realize, I don't want to stay here. I want to get back to you. I want to be closer to you. That's longing. And the way to get closer to God is by getting into his word, which is what he's left us and how he speaks to us. Amen. 
I'm going to try to get through this. So you're asking yourself, do you have any longing for God's word? I want to share something weird with you. See if anybody can relate to me. I have had this feeling. I have actually gone to my devotions. Not every day. In fact, I'm off to a terrible start in my Bible reading plan. Just between you and you. Like I decided yesterday, I'm just going to skip ahead now. Because I'm so guilty for how bad, how far I've fallen behind. I'm just going to jump in with where I should be. And just start reading the, the word of God. That's okay. The question isn't perfection. It's, is there any longing? So anyway, this is the weird thing that I've, I've thought about. I have, actually, um, I have actually gone to God's Word, and I, I'm a journaler, which I think is really helpful. I would recommend it, especially if you're lacking longing for God's Word. I would start journaling. It can just help you get engaged. Find a pen that you like to use. Find some paper that you like to write on and make it maybe a little more enjoyable for yourself and get engaged in God's word. Start writing down questions. Start paraphrasing. Start, pens have eyes. There's something about it that helps you. So, so one of the things I have actually felt, I have actually felt when I've grabbed my Bible, my journal, and my pen and started into my devotions, I've, I've experienced this at times where I actually feel something like hunger for God's word. Am I weird? Have you ever felt this? Has anybody ever felt anything like this? There's at least a couple. I have felt this. And I felt so weird about it. But I, I felt like I wanted, I'm ready to eat God's word. And then God vindicated me. Because all you people that think I'm really weird for this, I'm going to show you how God has vindicated me. Because once I read in Jeremiah... Jeremiah the prophet, he wrote this. He said this. He said, um, your words came to me and I ate them. And I said, see, there is, like, you, you should feel this way. I could relate. I feel like when I get to, I can't relate to Jeremiah hardly at all, but I can relate to him on that one point. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, I, I know what you feel like. He said, your words came to me and they were like honey to me. Do you feel anything like you want, you need, you long for the word of God? Think about other things in your life that you long for. You really long to have this, to experience this, to do this, to accomplish this, to achieve this. And just ask yourself the question, do you see that kind of longing for whatever that thing is in your relationship with your, the word of God? So is there awareness of longing? Second one, some indicators of your love for the word. There's an awareness of longing. Second one is an awareness of your need. And I'm just going to pass over. I, I, let me make, maybe not make a promise that I can't keep. Um, 
Well, let me just say a couple words about this. What, what he's saying here is he need, he, there's an awareness of need. In verse 18, he says, open my eyes. In other words, he says, open my eyes. Why? Why? Open my eyes that I can understand your word, that I can see it. So there's a request for God to do something that he won't be able to do in his own strength. He's actually asking the Lord to open his eyes. Like, I'm not gonna get anything out of this. That's how you should approach your devotions. You should say to the Lord, Lord, uh, this will be a total waste of my time. If you, spirit, doesn't take the truth of God's word and open my eyes, I won't get anything out of it. How many people read God's word but never get anything out of it? And, and part of the reason why is because you're not realizing how needy you are. You can't understand God's word apart from the spirit of God. So we're desperate for God to help us. That's a simple prayer to pray. Open my eyes. That's why I pray, regularly pray. And you guys hear me pray this before I preach. Open my eyes, warm my heart, mold my will. It's a simple prayer. Open my eyes. Help me to see it. Warm my heart. Make me feel something about it. And then mold my will. Change me. Do, do that, Spirit of God. I need you to do that. So there's an awareness of need. It's also just this recognition that just as I, I want to go back to what Jairus was sharing with us in community, communion. It's this idea that we need Jesus, that we need a Savior, and God has provided a Savior for us in Christ. Do you live with an awareness of your need for Jesus? Church, do you know, do you wake up in the morning aware of your need for Christ? That's, that's the gospel culture I want to create. Not a proud group of people who feel like they needed Jesus to get saved, but don't need him to live the Christian life. Don't need him to, to make any impact in the community. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me ask the question, what can you do apart from Jesus? Jesus said, nothing. You can't do anything. So you, whether you acknowledge it or not, are needy for God. That's an indicator of your love for his word. Do you approach the word of God recognizing that you need something outside of yourself? You need something that the news can't give you. You need something that, that even devotional materials can't give you. You need something that people can't give to you. You need only what God can give, and he has given it to you in his word. Do you need it? See, one of the reasons why what kills our, 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 our sense of need is because we're so dull. You and I are the dullest people. We're so spiritually dull and we don't, we don't think about our need for God's word because we, we're filling our minds with all other kinds of stuff. And it's never been more apparent in the, than in the age that we live in. Technology is moving at such a rapid rate. We inoculate our, ourselves. We, we need God, but we fill in the gaps with other things. We go to movies. We go to technology. It's so fast. You can stream anything. You can watch anything. You can listen to anything. And it's just immediate. And I'm not even talking about necessarily bad things. Yeah, there's all kinds of bad things that you can 
consume your soul with, and that will dull your affections for God. But there's also all these good things that we give ourselves to. It's so hard to sit down with nothing but your Bible and God and pray and ask God to open your eyes. It's so difficult because we want to just consume. We want to read other things. We want to be in the know. We can't put our phones down. We can't stop looking at them. We can't stop the dopamine hit that we get from seeing who commented on my social media post. Who said this? Who said that? What are they saying now? Let, let, me get up, let me get into the next conspiracy. Let me get into the next, you know, whatever is going on so I can be in the know and I can, I can talk about these things. Even with sports, why I, you, you guys get the, we're, we're inundated, right? And that dulls our spiritual affections. So we've got to be willing to cut off some of the things that, that make us spiritually dull so that we can go to where our needs can really be met, and that is in God through his word. Uh, I'll just stop there. I shouldn't be depressed about it, though. I, <laughs> I, 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 I should say to you, you have a need. You have a need for God and his word. Do you feel it? Do you feel that need for God and his word? Well, if you feel that need, then that's an indicator of your love for God. And what I'm saying to us, Brandywine Grace, is we got to watch out for what dulls us spiritually. Be willing to cut off those things so that we can give our time to what really satisfies, to what really fills, to what really delights. Amen? Is there an awareness of need? There needs to be need. All right? Um, let me make this point as quickly as I can. Let me, oh boy. Um, I'm just going to promise to make these really fast, but I need to make this point and then I'll make the other one really fast. Let me get the band to return. I said there's four indicators of your love for God's word. And, and so we've, I've given you two. I want to make you, I want to say this, uh, uh, another one. I want to give you a third one. And it's an awareness of alien status. <laughs> I got to explain that. An awareness of alien status. Verse 19, I am a sojourner on the earth. Pilgrim, sojourner. Uh, it's another way of saying that this world is not my home, which is another way of saying as a Christian, you should have an awareness that you are an alien. He says it in verse 23. Even though princes sit plotting against me, even though the world sits plotting against me, even though I feel constantly at odds with the world, do you see that as an indicator in your life? Do you feel like you're aware of an alien status? Following Jesus should bring with it a sense of, I don't fit in here. Anybody feel that? Has, the, has your relationship with God resulted in you feeling like I'm an alien here? I feel like the world looks at me like I got three heads. The world thinks I'm a Martian. Sanctity of human life. I mean, what a great example. Political leaders voting for abortion without restriction of any kind. 
political leaders that are opposed to virtually any restriction on abortion whatsoever. I mean, we should ask this of our political leaders. At what point would they say that abortion should not happen? That's a fair question. At what point would you say that? A pro-abortion view increasingly, and I think it's increasingly happening in our society, and it reveals an underlying worldview. And our worldview is either going to line up with Scripture or it's not. Our worldview is either going to be consistent with Scripture, which is pro-life. As soon as you venture into these waters, Kenny. And when I say pro-life, I mean pro-life as I'm saying it. For life. Scripture is for life. And our worldview is either going to be consistent with Scripture or it's going to be at odds with Scripture. And I, as a Christian leader, increasingly feel that I'm at odds with the world because the world is at odds with the Bible. You got any awareness of your alien status? I feel like I'm at odds with everybody. Everybody. Except for Jesus and what the Word of God says. All right? If you identify as Christian because that's what you check when the census comes around, Christian, but that's as far as it goes, I'm at odds with you too. I feel my alien status, and I think we should feel that. It's an indicator of our love for God's word. And alien status should point you to God's word for where you get your information. We should go first to God's word. Not our favorite talk show. Is the word of God what's informing our worldview? That's what's most important, church. So we should feel our alien status and it should drive us to the roadmap of life. It should drive us to the handbook that he's given to aliens. My last point is this. Is there any awareness of fight in your life? What I mean by that is, is there an awareness that you're in a battle 
with sin. Because if, when you're aware of that, you'll go to the Word of God for the power that you need to live as a Christian. So we're asking ourselves this. Four indicators. Awareness of longing. Is there any longing in your heart for God and His Word? Awareness of need. Do you feel like you see your need? Are you aware of what's dulling you and, and, and softening that sense of need? Are you aware of your alien status? And I've preached on this so much, guys. The awareness and presence of fight in your life. If there's no awareness of resistance in your life, then you can give yourself no confidence that you are actually a a lover of Christ and a follower of Christ. You're looking for an awareness of that fight in your life. The strongest indicator of your love for God is your love for his word. And these are but some indicators of your love for God's word. Let's allow the Spirit of God to be searching our hearts today and this week. And let's be people who love Jesus and show it through their love for the things that he has to say. Amen? Let's sing one more song before we...